This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Pete Stoyakovic. Peter Stoyakovic, welcome back. Yeah, it's great to be back. I've uh, got a pretty big chair to fill here with a nice big uh, orthopedic pillow as well. <laughs> Matt likes to be comfortable and, of course, his Kardashian-like posterior. <laughs> Matt Kardashian. He's going to be uh, cameoing on the show next year. It, next you know what? <laughs> right now, it's Matt Griswold because he's currently <laughs> he's currently traveling across Canada in, in a station uh, wagon with uh, wood paneling, basically a Winnebago, <laughs> right? I mean, he's he's out there. He's he's going across the country. Wally got, world or bust. Yeah, exactly. And he's got his family. So uh, I, we're we're very excited that Matt gets to uh, have this little bit of a break. And uh, also, it sounds like he's having a great time. He's camping. He's enjoying life. Of course. Uh, but uh, that being said, he's never too busy for your referrals. Absolutely. And we are here holding down. We're we're keeping the home fires burning. You and I and uh, our team. And uh, it's been a busy market. It's it's. Actually Actually, surprisingly, this week I feel like things have picked up. We've had we've had multiple offers on uh, a few of our listings, and uh, we've been busy. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I'm not sure yet, but it's showing signs of the turnaround, and I feel like there's going to be a dog pile when uh, things start going back up again. But uh, time will tell if this is that. Absolutely. But uh, what are we talking about today? We've got Jock Finlayson, um, Executive Vice President and Chief Policy Officer. So he's from the. Business Council of British Columbia, and today he's joining us, really, really bright guy, talking about interprovincial migration. That's right. He's got an article out that we've uh, we talked about. Basically, interprovincial migration is the movement uh, not of international immigrants coming into Canada, 
but rather interprovincial migration. Okay, so you got like your Torontonians coming to Vancouver. Exactly. You've got your uh, Calgarians, your Edmontonians, your Haligonians, and of course, uh, from the Manitoba contingent, you've got... Uh, yeah, your Winnebago's. We often talk about interprovincial migration being a force of Vancouver. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been in our market. Like we, we, if you think about the last five years of our, our market really heating up, we've been selling a lot of people from right across the country into condos that, you know, maybe baby boomers that are looking to downsize and they want to be in a warmer climate, perhaps, or, you know, people that are coming to work in our, you know, we've had a robust economy in BC. So you've got the the tech sector, our trades uh, market has been on fire. We've got the movie industry, obviously people coming here for SFU and and UBC. And so you can imagine, like, we've had these steady, this steady increase of growth from interprovincial migration. And the conversation today actually tells quite a different story. So many takeaways from today. Absolutely. So why don't we just cut to our interview with Jock Finlayson? Sounds good. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Jock Finlayson, Executive Vice President and Chief Policy Officer at the Business Council of British Columbia. How are you, Jock? Very good. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time today. So can you start maybe by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I run the uh, policy and research team here at the Business uh, Council of British Columbia, which is a a business association representing about 260 of the larger companies that are present here in the BC marketplace. And we do a fair bit of economic research and uh, various publications, and we pay close attention to the business environment and the investment environment in the province. And that's really our our main focus of our work. Okay. Trying to improve prove that over time. Right. And and part of the reason we asked you on today is because you just wrote an article in Business in Vancouver called Housing Costs Put Breaks on Migration to BC from Other Provinces. Can you maybe unpack that article a little bit, a, a few of the key points? Yeah, my colleague, uh, uh, Ken Peacock, and I do a monthly economic kind of analysis column for BIV. And uh, for June, we, we looked at the trends in Interprovincial migration. This is basically people moving from one part of Canada to another, as distinct from international migration, which captures the movement of uh, foreigners into Canada as well as Canadians who emigrate. So, this particular column was looking at the data on interprovincial migration from a BC perspective. And what we observed is that uh, there's been a very sharp decline. In uh, in the number of uh, people from other parts of Canada moving to BC, uh, and an increase in the number of British Columbians moving outside of the province, and this is quite quite a shift from where we were two or three years ago. Uh, at one point, we were gaining about twenty thousand people a year, net, or even more uh, in twenty sixteen. Uh, in terms of interprovincial migration flows with the rest of the country. Now we're very close to basically a balanced uh, situation where the number of British Columbians leaving for other provinces is almost uh, at the same level as the number of Canadians moving here from elsewhere. So that's quite a significant shift in a fairly short period of time. And in our column, we speculated as some of the reasons that might explain that uh, that significant shift, and one of them we think is uh, is the high cost of housing 
particularly in the in the major urban centers of British Columbia. So that's discouraging some people from moving here from other parts of Canada, but it's also prompting some uh, some British Columbians to to leave for other parts of the country. Jacques, have there been any other um, any other reasons that that have caused the change as well? Yeah, I would by no means is it all due to housing. Uh, you have to realize the. Uh, the movement of Canadians across the country tends to reflect differences in the uh, state of provincial economies and the job market. And we've seen a couple things uh, in the past uh, two to three years that are worth noting in that respect. Because we, we've had quite a robust economy and, and labor market here in BC, at least until recently. Uh, but uh, Ontario has also been doing very well. So economic growth and employment growth has really accelerated in Ontario in the past 18 months. And Alberta, which was hammered by the oil price collapse in 2015 and 16, bounced back uh, in 2017. And so far, based on the data for 2018, that seems to be continuing. And that has had the effect of reducing the number of Albertans who previously were coming into B.C. Because Alberta was in a recession, as you may know, for two years in 2015-16, quite a deep recession. And uh, that definitely prompted some people to to leave Alberta for other parts of Canada. That seems to be tapering off now. So the shifting fortunes of different provinces, and particularly the job markets of the various provinces, is probably the biggest factor that lies behind the uh, decrease in interprovincial migration into British Columbia. But housing is, we, we think, is playing some role as well. So, Jock, we we always see these stories about um, you know a love letter to Vancouver, people leaving Vancouver for other places. Have, have we seen an increase of uh, local Vancouverites leaving, or local British Columbians leaving for other provinces as well? Yeah, well, it's kind of complicated because first of all, uh, you know, when we we have these these flows that we get uh, reported by Stats Canada, these migration flows of. Uh, of both international and interprovincial uh, people that are moving across the country, we don't necessarily we don't really know who they are or why they're going. So there's a lot of speculation that get us that gets attached to that. I'm I'm a bit resistant to sort of anecdote as a, as a basis for for drawing conclusions. I prefer to have data, but there are limitations on this data. Um, the other thing to note is there's a fair number of people that uh, I would describe as Canadian-born residents of Metro Vancouver who leave for other parts of BC. They're not necessarily moving to other provinces. They may be going to Vancouver Island or or the Okanagan or the Kootenays. Um, and that, of course, isn't, isn't a net loss from a BC point of view. It just means that there's a flow of people within BC. The basic picture, and it's been this way for some time, is Canadian, we, we lose uh, in net terms in Metro Vancouver we're seeing a little a small sort of outflows of, the, of what I would describe as the Canadian-born population. Um, and this is people who are, are leaving to go to school in other parts of Canada or they're retiring to other parts of BC uh, or they're, they're leaving to take jobs in other, in other communities. But that's more than offset by inter, international flows. So we, we, we see 35 to 40,000 immigrants international immigrants a year uh, coming into the province, the vast majority of whom are, are settling in Metro Vancouver. So that's what's really driving population growth here, is really net international migration. 
on the interprovincial level, we're not really gaining people. We're probably losing a few, but that's more than, as I say, offset by international, which you know accords with sort of common observation if you're if you're a resident of Metro Vancouver. It's a very very diverse city. So, in terms of the province and and, and the economy, are are all migrants? created equal? Like, is there a preferred migrant, interprovincial migrant? Um, like, say, for example, somebody the working age, or do we want, you know, the country's retirees? Yeah, well, of course, people are free to move where they want within the country, and they're, uh, but uh, ideally, uh, certainly from an employer's perspective, which and I, I work for employers, so I tend to look at things through that lens, uh, we do value working age migrants, who are coming into BC or coming into Metro Vancouver, depending on what you're looking at, uh, because uh, they help to meet our, you know, our need for labor, uh, and that's true for for Canadians moving here, and it's also true for international sources. So, from an economic and employer perspective, um, the best migrants uh, are the ones that make the biggest contributions economically. Tend to be the ones that are uh, seeking and, and successful in finding employment. Um, retirees obviously do spending and create demand for goods and services as well, but they bring more costs, particularly in the, in terms of the healthcare system. Uh, so the ideal migrant, I guess, is, uh, from a, an employer's point of view is a, is a relatively young working age migrant who is seeking employment. And we do, we do get those in Metro Vancouver for sure, particularly in terms of immigration flows. So we have a high inflow of international migrants and an outflow of interprovincial migrants. Is there a... Uh... We, we, just to clarify, we have a very substantial inflow of international and a small outflow of interprovincial. Yeah. Okay. Um, are, do you see the, uh, there, there being any implications to the outflow? Well, we're monitoring, I guess, the outflow because you, you although I'm not one to draw strong conclusions based on anecdotes, we, we are seeing more evidence, anecdotal evidence, and I, I see it with the uh, in my own work with the employers that I'm dealing with professionally. We are seeing evidence that uh, uh, employers are finding it harder to attract and retain talent in Metro Vancouver, and there's quite a bit of concern among business leaders in this region about the implications of high housing costs on our ability to attract and retain talent. And I think it plays out in a particularly acute way with with the, the Canadian-born population. Um, and and that, cause that, that tends to be the group that we're losing. We're not losing them in huge numbers by any means, uh, but there is a sort of steady drip, drip. And one of the questions for the future is whether we're going to see an acceleration of these outflows of uh, uh, of, 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 of the Canadian-born population of working age. And, and, and the classic case is uh, people who uh, reach, say, their 30s um, and they form and they want to form families, have children. That tends to be when the high cost of housing in the region really bites. Uh, and uh, people discover that they can't get very much for their dollar or they have to do very long commutes to get to their employment and then it begins to look more attractive to live elsewhere. So I do think there's some risk. We don't really see it in the data yet, but I think there's some risk that uh, we could see uh, quite a substantial acceleration in in outflows of working-age people from this region. Uh, but as of today, it's, 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 it's more of a dribble than a, than, a, than a flood. 
Right, right. And again, it's offset quantitatively. It's more than offset by the uh, international inflows. Fair enough. And and Jock, from your experience, you know, worst case scenario, if if we do start to see a, an increase in outflow. What are like? How does the industry, how, or how will industry in the province deal with this abrupt labor shortage? Yeah, it's a pretty serious situation. Actually, we're operating at uh, what economists would describe as a full employment economy at the moment. So there's really there's very little uh, underutilized labor out there. BC uh, has the highest job vacancy rate in the country at the moment, and Metro Vancouver's rate undoubtedly is higher than the provinces. And uh, just casual observation wandering around uh, uh, the sort of retail uh, uh, areas of the, of, of the city. I live on the North Shore. It's the same over there. It's the same in Vancouver. There's an awful lot of help wanted signs out. So this is a real issue. And uh, to the extent we find it harder to attract and retain people, it's obviously going to get more serious. How will how will business respond? How will the market respond? I think in a few ways. One is there's going to be upward pressure on labor costs, and we're already seeing evidence of this uh, in the last uh, year or so. Uh, wage gains are are accelerating. Uh, employers are going to have to pay more uh, for certain kinds of labor. Um, government is stepping in to move in the same direction with higher minimum wages. Uh, so I think labor costs, compensation costs, um, generally and certainly in Metro Vancouver are going to be climbing uh, and they're going to be climbing at a faster pace than I think we've seen in the previous decade. So there's the first market response. Second, I think we will see some employers looking for lower cost jurisdictions in which to put their operations or to expand their operations. And again, we're seeing a bit of anecdotal evidence around that already, uh, but that trend could accelerate. But the other thing is if if population flows shift so that we're losing more people in Metro Vancouver, that will, on its own, that would tend to put uh, to dampen, you know, housing demand and therefore prices. So we could see a softening, if you will, uh, you know, beyond what's already occurred in real estate markets due to changes in sort of demographic flows. We haven't really we haven't really got there yet, but one could speculate that it's it's conceivable. Although as long as international migration continues uh, to follow the same path that we've seen in the past 10 or 15 years, where we're gaining fairly substantial numbers of people in Metro Vancouver from international sources, that's going to create fundamental sort of ongoing demand for housing and, and real estate, which I think will you know, keep the market more or less at an even keel would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Just out of curiosity in, in your research, Jock, have you noticed, I mean, obviously in 2016, we uh, the B.C. government implemented the foreign buyers tax. Um, more recently, uh, you know, at the, the NDP budget, they increased that to 20%. Have you noticed if that has actually curbed the inflow of, of international migration to B.C.? Uh, I think it's had an effect on the, my, the inflows of foreign capital into right. residential real estate. I don't think there's much doubt about that, although the data on that is uh, is, is choppy. Um, I haven't seen too much evidence that it's reduced inflows of people through the immigration program, for example. There's not much evidence right. pointing in that direction. And of course, the foreign buyers taxes aren't aimed at at immigrants. They're they're aimed at at, at people who don't have you know who are not living and working in Canada, right. Right? and particularly not paying income tax in Canada. So 
that really doesn't apply to an international migrant. So at the margin, perhaps um, uh, the uh, uh, the increased taxation of housing that's been brought forward by government might be dampening a little bit uh, immigrant inflows, uh, but we, we certainly don't see much evidence that it's uh, happening on a substantial scale. I do think the the various steps that the government has taken are having an effect on the housing market, but it's not clear they're having much of an effect on the inflows of people yet. Okay, great. Well, maybe we'll leave it there. So, Jock, how can people find out more about uh, your work and also the Business Council of British Columbia's work? Yeah, well, we do have a public, most of our research and publications, uh, probably 95% of it is on our public website, uh, which is www bcbc.com and then from there we were also on LinkedIn and uh, and Twitter and Facebook the usual social media platforms and we have blogs so but going to our website is probably the easiest step excellent well thank you so much for your time today all right you gentlemen have a good day great thanks Doug. thanks for taking the time bye bye So that was our interview with Jock Vinlison, the Executive Vice President and Chief Policy Officer at the Business Council of BC. Super interesting conversation with Jock about his study. And also, uh, you can imagine with house prices the way they are in BC, and also the cost of living, that people are deciding to kind of stay put within their province or potentially leave our province, right? And uh, especially this is true when other provincial economies are heating up. Yeah, I mean, if you're offered a job of, you know, equal or more pay, and you can get more for your dollar in terms of housing, you can see why why people are making that choice to leave. And down the road, if this trend continues, I mean, we could very well end up in a labor shortage. Well, that's the most alarming thing is is labor shortages for sure. But the other implication is you can imagine some downward pressure on demand in our marketplace when people are deciding not to come to Vancouver and whether that be retirees who just can't afford the um, cost of living or, or young people that would rather stay put and take jobs in their own province. Makes sense. So what else do we have today, Pete? We have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. It is your one-stop shop for everything Vancouver real estate. We've got the best resources, such as private client services. Adam, what's private client services? Pete, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices. You get days on market. It's updated 36 to 72 hours before public MLS. Sign up for your free account today. We also got a mobile app with augmented reality. Yeah, Pete, picture this. So you're on your penny farthing. You're going down Main Street. You got your monocle and your top hat on. Wait, wait, wait. Is this 1930s Vancouver? No, no. This is present time. Uh, <laughs> and you see a, and you see a, a building, okay? You're, maybe it's a, I don't know, social, district, whatever it is. You look at it. You're like, I'd like to live there. I want to be close to the breweries. You point your mobile phone. You get to see what's listed in that building in real time. What's cooler than that? Not riding a penny farthing, I would say. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I actually saw on a side note, I saw a guy the other day on the seawall and he had uh, he was riding a unicycle and he said, and he was about 70 years old and he had a shirt that said 70 is the new 50. But are unicycles the new bikes? Maybe. We don't, we don't know. They seem to be. I'm seeing a lot more unicycles out there. Uh, anyways, if you have a, feel free to email us if you have a thought on that. Um, we also have reviews. We're up to 164 reviews on iTunes. And we have, I think, about maybe 15 or so reviews on Google. If you want to help us grow this podcast, one of the best things you can do is get in touch or head over to iTunes or Google and leave us a review. Everything helps to help us grow this podcast, and we really appreciate that in advance. 
And finally, sign up at our website for the live wire. You're going to get the deal of the month. You get information, tips, and tricks, and you're also going to be alerted as to when new episodes or new interviews are launched. But Pete, how can people reach you? Uh, you can reach me at 604-782-7484 or, of course, at peter at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com or 778-866-4574. We also have the nonpartisan line. That's right. It's info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Just in case you don't want to hurt Matt or Pete's feelings. <laughs> okay, guys. Have a great week. Have a great week. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.